Sequence is loading. Mr. Blaney, do you know who I am? Yeah, you're Denny Crane. I've seen you on Larry King. You're famous. So, who would you rather have as your attorney? Me or uh, Hacky McGuilty Verdict here? I faced him before you'd rather have him. Denny Crane. All right, everybody. Walk and love. I am so glad I came into work today. From Forest Rain Studios, it's the home of Boston-Legal.org. You're connected to the Boston Illegal Podcast. Uh, we have a story for you. 50,000 volts, a partner is an erotic art, a partner at Narcotics Anonymous, a father's distressed, American homeowners, and Denny finding his bliss again. It's Saturday. It's March 11, 2006. It's a few days after Boston Legal Tuesdays. I'm Dana Greenlee, and you're listening to Boston Illegal. It's the weekly audio experience of Boston Legal, which is the David E. Kelly-produced show that's right here in the USA on ABC, and uh, with the help of 20th Century Fox and those talented crew and cast members down at David E. Kelly Productions. Today's Boston Legal is essentially a conversation about the 18th episode of Season 2. They call it shock and awe. Who do you think I have sitting in the co-host seat? Don't answer that. Uh, This is somebody very, very special. And I think uh, just to sort of get into the television theme of things, we're going to do a little What's My Line, if you remember that game show. So mystery co-host, I'm going to ask you a yes or no question. Okay. (laughs) Now, you are an actor, a producer, a director, and a writer. Yes or no? Yes. Oh, C, C. Yes. oh, C, okay. I'm speaking another language. <laughs> yes, I am. Um, I'm you... going to do a lot of yelling. <laughs> you actually have a special bond with a certain talk show host by the name of Jay Leno. Yes. You portrayed the young killer in a movie that just about did me in back in the 80s that I love so much, River's Edge. Yes or no? Correct, yes. Did you by chance act in shock and awe? I may have. That really is up to the critics to decide. <laughs> I did try to act, uh, but, you know, I may not have succeeded. Well, let's give them a little tease. Uh, why don't you tease us with something you said in the episode? A little tease, a little tease. How about, uh, that's when I knew he was good and done. He smelled like a roast, a well-done roast. That could only be the inimitable words of Daniel Roebuck. Hello. Oh, they guessed it, didn't they? <laughs> yes. I probably, hopefully I acted better on the show <laughs> than I did just now in my car. We're, yes, you're in your car. We're only going to do one take of that, so <laughs> you have to do it once best. Now, this is, we're talking with Daniel Roebuck. He played Russell Blaney, the American homeowner, Denny Crane's client, in the episode, the guy from Jamaica Plains who just about had enough of the break-ins, right? That's right. And uh, he's done so much more than that, so much more. We alluded to in the little Q&A there. Uh, we're going to find out later about his new production, Who Stole Santa's Sack. And uh, we're just going to have to go back through your 100-plus films and TV shows that you've done. <laughs> <laughs> but today you're joining us at least for the podcast on your storyline, the storyline of the I've Had It Up to Here homeowner. Yes, yes. We're going to just spend a few minutes at this. I want to find out what you did today, what you're actually coming home from. Do you want me to say that now? Do you want me to I tell want, these good listeners that? I, I do, because it's so amazing. I had a wonderfully rotten and fantastic day today, rotten. Uh, Dana, because today was the auction to get rid of all the assets of the Movie Land Wax Museum, which uh, was really one of my favorite places in Hollywood. I would have to say Universal oh, Studios, Disneyland, and Movie Land are all equally important to me. Are you telling me that an actor of your pedigree actually goes to the tourist traps? Not only do I go to the tourist traps, I go all the time because I am an infant. I'm like a 12-year-old child wrapped in the body of a man with a mortgage and two children. <laughs> a man with a mortgage. Well, I my think- wife, my, when people say to my wife, how many kids do you have? She says three. Two that I had and one that I married. Oh, <laughs> Boy, that's an old one, man. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's a unique Thing. Now, I, now, I'm going to digress for one second, yes. Dana, may I? Yo, absolutely. 
because uh, we have a lot of time to kill. These people are just sitting at home thinking, what are they going to talk about? Because this is an interesting <laughs> little wax story. But I'm the type of person, I never, I never ever said I'm going to be a star. I never said I'm going to be an Academy Award winner. All I ever wanted to do since I saw Give Him Hell Harry, the movie James Whitmore played uh, Harry Truman when I was 13 years old, all I wanted to do was be an actor. And when I go, for instance, I was just, just finished Ghost Whisperer, and I get to walk around Universal Studios' back lot and know people there and be able to go where I need to go and shake hands and everybody, it's, it's a dream come true. That that's, makes me happier than anything else. I can understand. You're, you're not only seeing history and you're making history because what you do is going to be around 100 years from now, much like an architect, right? Well, we'll see. I mean, I, I, a lot of actors have a self-important uh, image of what they do. Honestly, I don't. I think I'm a lucky guy who, you know, lies for a living, pretends to be other people. <laughs> you know, in, in really, you know, one step away from what I do is a con man or a criminal. Uh, I just happen to, you know, I found a way to do it. Uh, legally, and uh, make money. But you know, did you ever see that movie um, Team America? Yeah, oh, the cartoon, yes. Oh, animation. You know, I mean, it's you know they make fun of actors for a reason. They're all so <laughs> they they believe that what they do is so important. And honestly, I appreciate that you think that I'm making history. But I think I'm 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 no more important than someone like my dad who does ditches for a living and you know kept the water of Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, flowing Aww. through the sewers. That is so refreshing. And be careful what you say because you know. Actors and directors may listen to this and casting agents. Ah, they can kiss my butt. <laughs> oh, no, if no. If they think they're important, they're not. <laughs> you can have a job. Oh, man. Tell me a little bit more about that movie, Landwax Museum Auction. So, all right. So, <laughs> I've been here probably five times a year since I moved to Los Angeles in 1984, uh, to the point where they stopped taking my money about three years ago. They're like, <laughs> the retarded guy's back with his family. <laughs> um, you know, like I was just like, you know, thrilled to be there whenever I was there and look at this stuff. My kids, God bless them, you know, they knew on Father's Day we had to go down. On my birthday, we had to go down. Happy birthday, March 4. March 4th, we yes. just had. And on my birthday this year, even though the Wax Museum was closed, I, I did go down for the preview with my son, Buster. Oh. Uh, and we uh, we walked around. And That's how you spent your birthday with your son. With my <laughs> son. My daughter had a basketball game. And so she, so she said, right? <laughs> she, she was like, I said, you know, I thought basketball was over three weeks ago, <laughs> but uh, she insisted. So I came down here ostensibly to bring home a Frankenstein, a wax Frankenstein that's been in this wax museum since they built it in 1964. Well, that's because uh, your middle name is Monster, right? I mean, you love monsters. I love horror movies. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, I've done a number of documentaries, one about this wax museum for the, the Monsters channel. Oh. Uh, and I wanted that Frankenstein, but unfortunately there was... You know, I'm just a, a working actor, and there was a guy next to me who actually owned, owned a chain of movie theaters. Oh, man. Uh, so he ended up winning it. But I, I did leave. I, I left with Ernest Borgnine from the Poseidon Adventure set. Whoa. From Jonathan Winters uh, from It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. No, I love that one. <laughs> yeah. My, uh, the guy was sitting next to me goes, you're buying all the fat guys. <laughs> uh, but being a, although I'm not as fat... Honestly, I'm about 20 pounds lighter than I was on that show. I was kind of taken back how big I looked. Oh, well, well, that's the camera, you know. That's the camera. My goodness, you've got Ernest Borgnine. Ernie Borgnine <laughs> from Design Adventure. That's Very fine. cool. Now, how much did the monster head go for? You know, well, the Frankenstein, Frankenstein ended, it would have gone to $20,000. I, I stopped bidding at about 8000 or 9000 Wow. The next guy got it. Yeah, that theater guy. He's just going to use it as a marketing tool. Well, that's what he said. I, you know, I feel bad though. He was an awfully nice fella. You know, I talked to him. I, I mean, after I got done running him over with my car, you know, I got out. I was like, dude, I'm sorry. Oh, did I hit you with my? Oh, and my gun just discharged in your leg. <laughs> you did. But um, no, it was like the Robert Blake fiasco. You know, but like these figures were built to stand where they stood for 40 years. They were not built to be moved around. Hmm. Uh, and my fear is that, you know, the first time they put these wax figures in a you know, some theater somewhere, you know, someone's going to break it. Oh, no. It, and then it's worth nothing. You know, then it's gone forever. It'll be behind bulletproof glass, I hope. I hope. Yeah, I hope to. For what he to. paid for it. Did you actually see, did they haul out any of the Star Trek set? You know, the bridge? Star the Trek, people? yeah. Those figures went, the Chekhov's were 4000 and the Shatner's and the Moy's were 4600 Oh, that's all? 
that's and it, one guy bought them all. Uh, uh, but he had to buy them one at a time, so he didn't know that he was getting them all until the last one was over. Oh, wow. So he had no um, package deal there. No package. And, and honestly, you know what? I was kind of shocked. I thought they would have gone for more. The yes. Chris Reeves Superman went for $18,000. Well, uh, Shatner's the, kidney stone went for more than what his wax figure went for. And this was a great-looking wax figure. You know, I know uh, Jimmy Doohan's son was here, Chris, the musician, uh, with the hope of maybe buying Dad, but uh, that didn't happen. Uh, we were going to buy Ed Asner to give Ed Asner uh, as a gift because he plays the villain in this uh, animated movie that, that I'm producing. Yes. And, uh, you know, the guy kept bidding me up and I was yelling, I'm going to give it to him. Would you give me a break? Oh, no. But he, he would not relent. Oh, man. Yeah, that's right. You have Edward Asner in your film. Oh, that's amazing. Your animated voice. You know. in my, yeah. Ed Asner plays Santa and Elf, and he's uh, the villain in our Christmas story. We're going to get to that. We're going to talk a lot more about We'll talk about about that later. All right, let's jump into the storyline of Russell Blaney. Yes, Russell Blaney, American homeowner. And there's really no better way to start Russell's storyline than to just have wake up in Denny's bed with him as he's listening to the newscaster. By the way, a local newscaster, is that correct? Um, the guy in the show was uh, Ted Ted, Ted Garcia. Ted Garcia. Yes. Well, I I knew he was uh, Ortega Garcia. <laughs> I got that much right. We won't even say what your character says later. <laughs> Believe me, I can't. Yeah, you might as well say it since I my gardener quit and I can't get a glass of water without a loogie in it. You're in trouble <laughs> now. <laughs> and this is on the heels, by the way, of a Law and Order episode where I played one of the uh, Minutemen. Is this like some kind of weird minute? Yeah, it's my new au revoir, my anti-Latino au revoir, but I don't want anybody to get crazy. Uh, that's not how I really feel. I just, you know, He's an actor I'm poor and I take the money. Okay, well, let's hear what happens to set up your storyline right here. Go ahead. Not sleeping in the same bed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, look at this one. Yeah. Denny, you ready to go? Denny! Denny! Denny, you must go to work. It's hump day, your favorite day. I don't have a favorite anything anymore. Listen, I understand the need to retreat into oneself after a failed love affair, but you haven't gone to work in three days. You've been in that bed for two. You're drinking scotch at nine in the morning, and most disturbingly, you're watching The View. Hey, 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 same team, same team. Consider this an intervention. So, yes, Al, nothing interests me anymore. Construction worker Russell Blaney arrested for attempted murder for setting a booby trap in his home to catch burglars. Miguel Dominguez allegedly broke into Blaney's house and received a reported 50,000 volts of electricity through his body, paralyzing him from the waist down and leaving us all with the question, Russell Blaney, victim or vigilante? Thank you, Ross, for that report. That case. I want that case. I see your bliss is back as well. Oh, man. Daniel, how do you feel about your character giving Denny Crane a hard on? <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm intrigued by it. I, Shatner spent the entire episode hitting on me, so now I, <laughs> I completely understand what he was doing. No, uh, listen, that's fantastic. If you're going to wear a badge of, I don't know, homosexuality, <laughs> let it be for William Shatner's character, Denny Crane. Alan seems to enjoy it. Uh, yes, he does. Um <laughs> But uh, no, isn't that interesting? I, I, you know, I'm not a I'm not a script reader. I, I hate to drop a name. Let me just drop this name, Dennis Hopper. Mm. Years ago, when we did River's Edge, he was telling me how he didn't read the script because, you know, what you can do as an actor is be influenced by other people's knowledge of your character and other people's comments. So I don't generally read the script other than my part because my part is the part that I have to play. You know, what other people say about me is not something the character I play would know. And by the way, I'm no acting genius. That's just, I think, laziness. And then I came up with an excuse to surround it to make it sound like I was an acting genius. But no, but are you telling me that, well, tell me you watched the episode. I watched the episode. Okay. But you that didn't I read. did do. But I did not read the script. So you say, did I give, did, how did I feel? I didn't realize until I saw the episode. <laughs> that uh, Danny Crane had a hard on. Okay. You know, and actually, and we'll get, when I play your big, long, two-and-a-half-minute spiel, 
Oh, uh, good. I'll, I'm going to just take a nap for that. I know. It's Maybe great. I'll go get a sandwich. Wait, I'm in a car. <laughs> no, you can't. Um, I want to find out because writers will demand that you say their words, and I think that either you went off script a little bit or they changed that script from the one I saw. But we'll, we'll get to that in a few minutes. Okay. Okay. This is your first scene with you, but, you know, you have one line or two. But let's hear what happens when um, Denny is charging into the courtroom. And you're sitting there with the poor, beleaguered... Um, oh, the Warren. great actor from The Big Green. Oh, that Warren kid. Rinna, uh, Patrick Rinna. Yeah. Fabulous kid. Oh, yeah, he's great. I mean, X-Files. Yeah, he was in there, too. He played a werewolf. Anyway. Oh, he did? Yeah, Mulder got bitten by him or something like that. I want to tell you something. Before you play that, I pitched to Mr. Shatner... I said, here's a great story. Here's a great idea. You, you, do, you do My Fair Lady. Someone says, I'll bet you can. He says, there's only one Denny Crane or some. And he said, I can turn anyone into a Denny Crane. And someone says, I pick him. And they point to that kid, <laughs> which I was doing to bring it back in. Shannon said, that's a terrible idea. And I said, no, it's a great idea. He goes, that's terrible. I said, no, it's great. He said, well, you think it's great because you thought of it. I said, dude, that's a great idea. Anyway, we give that kid who's a great actor a, an opportunity to become Danny Crane, wouldn't yes. that be fabulous? It would be like, um, what's that, extreme attorney makeover? Well, if they have some, but I mean, it's a great storyline that there'd be another Danny Crane, and then, of course, if he's so successful, then Danny Crane has to deconstruct him, <laughs> because there can only be one Danny Crane. And, and besides, you know, you're getting a kickback from whatever um, Rena gets work, right? <laughs> I wish I did. I think it's such a fabulous story. All Go right. ahead, play the scene. I'm very excited to hear it again. Your Honor, the Commonwealth moves the bail be denied. Mr. Blaney is charged with attempted murder and is an obvious flight risk. If I may, my client... Your Honor... I need a moment with my client. You don't have a client here, Mr. Crane. Count to ten, Judge. Mr. Blaney, do you know who I am? Yeah, you're Denny Crane. I've seen you on Larry King. You're famous. So, who would you rather have as your attorney? Me or uh, Hacky McGuilty Verdict here? I faced him before. You'd rather have him. Don't feel bad, son. It takes a big man to recognize a bigger man. We're waiting, Mr. Crane. Uh, I move for a continuance, Your Honor. <laughs> you know, I, the script had him calling him Blue's Clues, I think. But they, ha, Hacky McGillicuddy? I don't know. What Hacky, McGilty, ha, Hacky McGilty Verdict. Oh, McGilty Verdict. That was a good thing for Mr. Blaney. He was going to go down with, with Patrick as an attorney. Uh, you, now, you know that because what? How many times did you have to film that scene or how many hours were you working on it that you heard that line over and over? <laughs> you know, not that many. They're all. I, there's nothing like working on a show with... Uh, I didn't get to see James uh, Spader at all, and I, I, you know, it's been years since I've seen him, but, you know, you got to imagine 20 years ago when we were all kids, we'd see each other more. We'll take an aside. How did that happen that you would see him as a kid? <laughs> when we were kids, like kids 19, 20, 21 years uh, old. Hanging around at the uh, body shop, right? <laughs> right. Not me, really, but, okay. <laughs> you know, when I, I was doing Rivers, you know, we were all yeah. we'd see each other at the same audition, you know what I mean? It was that kind of, yeah. You're right. It was that kind of thing. Um great guy but anyway when you work with 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 pros there's no you know you don't have to shoot all day that you know we shot that scene i think uh the actor who played the you know my attorney was in and out of there in an hour and a half or two hours wow that's good um another side note of comedy uh curry graham yes uh, who plays the da the yes. da i had met him just five days earlier at a mutual friend's office oh neither of us we both knew we, had, we were going to do that show, but neither of us were the type of actor who talked about ourselves. Mm-hmm. He's a good guy. So, although I just met him, like, when we, we bumped into each other in the hall, and I was like, oh, my God, are you doing this? <laughs> so it was it was a nice reuniting with the guy that I just met, a good guy. Well, now, I thought you were going to say, because he's in now Desperate Housewives, and there's something on your website about Desperate Housewives coming up? Or well, I was on Perhaps. Desperate Housewives, too. Okay. I, I think, you know... But He's a nice-looking guy. He probably has a much better part than I had. You didn't run into him in that show, though. I did not. Okay. Oh, yeah, I saw a picture on your website with him, though. That's nice. And I can I give out your website? Or can yeah, you? I, please. I implore people to go to www. Wait, was that too many W's? No. <laughs> www.danielrobuck.com. You're going to see so um, much there. Not only the behind-the-scenes photographs of Ewan Curry and Ewan Shatner. All the stuff that you're working on right now, including videos you have of the monster videos, right? The I've Halloween. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We boy, we got really lucky. 
I, that's a whole nother thing, but <laughs> there's this character I play called Dr. Shocker, and I was asked to do a spook show, uh, which was a huge magic show that they used to do before horror movies in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. They don't do them anymore. And they asked me to recreate one of those. <gasps> so I pulled out this Dr. Shocker character, who was like a, a midnight horror movie host, <laughs> and uh, adapted him to the spook show. And we, I'm, I'm very happy to tell you, we were very blessed. Many people worked very hard on that show with me. And we won a Rondo Award, which is an internet horror film or horror award. We got Best Fan Event of 2005. Wow. Dr. Shocker's Halloween Spooktacular. I see one, two, three, three, three videos that you can watch. Yeah, if people go there, they can actually scroll from the top down. There's three short one and a half minute video clips of the show. And it, I think you, you'd find it entertaining. Uh, I did magic for years. That was, you know, what I did to have extra spending money to, to I was in a circus when I was a kid. And then that kind of led to a, the magic. You were a cir- um, you were in the circus. I was in a circus when I was twelve. This was is a, amazing. I had a weird life. Yes. Now it's not a circus. I don't want to give the impression that I was, you know, traveling around with clowns drinking scotch at nine a.m. like <laughs> Denny Crane. But uh, it was uh, the Lions All Star Circus, and we travel every weekend uh, all over Pennsylvania, New York, New Jersey. And we'd go to a different town and we, you know, do the circus. I was a clown. Oh, that's right. And you're a Pennsylvania boy. I'm from Bethlehem, guys. Yeah, Bethlehem. Oh, man, what a life at 12. <laughs> and then you and became you, an actor. And then I became an actor. Yeah, or like, so they say. You got your first part at 13, I think, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I started doing plays when I was 12 oh, and 13. Okay. Professionally, though, I didn't. I mean, my first movie was Cave Girl. I don't remember that one, but your second one won. God, that's so weird. You don't remember Cave Girl? <laughs> <laughs> The second one made an indelible impression upon me. I think. Oh, it did. Yeah. Good. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I hope you didn't. I hope what you mean is you never went to the river's edge with any of your boyfriends. No, no, no. And that was your girlfriend too. But no, but we were we're the same age. Hello. A little something about Dana we didn't know. God. What? Oh, what? Oh, you. I said your boyfriend, and you said your girlfriend. No, 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 no. Your girlfriend. <laughs> no, no. No, I didn't have a boyfriend. Oh, now we're all confused. <laughs> we're both straight, everybody. Okay. Okay. I, and, and, and we're willing to prove it. Is there a Mr. Dana? <laughs> yeah, there's a Mr. Dana. <laughs> oh, crap. All right. And now there's a Mrs. There's Dan a Mrs. Too. Daniel, too. Yeah. Another lifetime. Oh, okay. Right. Well, let's get back to the storyline. We can... yeah, before, because I think your husband's pulling up next to me with a shotgun. The man's in Texas. I'm alone. Oh, thank God. <laughs> no, I think it's bad he's in Texas, but it's a South by Southwest, so that's cool, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, he's in the film festival? Yeah, well, he's there for the technology part. Oh, good for him. Yeah, they do it side by side. Oh, that's cool. See, aren't you impressed that I knew there was a film festival called South by Southwest? I'm impressed, but you've got your finger on the pulse of pop culture. Uh, do I? You make Really? You make <laughs> pop yeah. culture. Yeah, if... Ernest Borgnine from the Beside Adventure is the pulse of pop culture, then yes. <laughs> well, pop culture from a decade or two ago. <laughs> yeah, we are, yeah, or three. Or another millennium, right? Or another, yeah. I cannot wait to play this next soundbite because it's, it's you own it. Not only is it the, the full-on dialogue, which... You, you, you can play all that? Well, I'll, I'm going to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've got a couple minutes here where we're going to listen to Daniel. Well, don't go away. Listen to Daniel. This is a character, everybody. It's not him, but, you know, it's not easy playing a bad guy, right? Although I wouldn't suggest breaking into my house anytime no. soon. <laughs> None other than Mr., uh, well, we'll say it's Russell Blaney. I, uh, I hang sheetrock, mostly for industrial buildings. The craftsman, he worked with his hands, write that down. What else? I live alone. Jamaica Plain. My ex-wife left me the house. It's not a bad neighborhood, uh, but it does border one. And it's vulnerable because I have those old-fashioned lever windows. I can't afford an alarm system. I've been broken into four times in the last two years. Uh, drug addicts, they take everything. They took my TV, my bike, my power tools, my guitar. Musician, he writes the songs. Uh... But uh, what finally did it for me was when I was building an end table for my father for his television remote as nebulizer because he has uh, some asthma. And I'm halfway done. And some guy breaks into the house and he, and he steals my table saw. My table saw! I mean, that was it. That's, that was all I could take. I'm not into guns. Don't write that down. <laughs> but I, uh, I knew that I, I had to do something. So that's when I rigged up my little system. You know, just a little jolt, you know, send him a little shock. Tell us what happened that night. You were at home? Yeah, I was awake, actually. Um, I was putting some dishes away in the dishwasher, and I heard some noise on the porch. And I thought, 
here we go. This is it. So I moved into the living room. So you saw him? Yeah, he was looking right through the window. He's a big wetback, you know? Latino. Drug addict. I, he was completely high. I could see it in his eyes, even from inside the house. And then what happened? Well, he, he starts for the window. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen anyone on crystal meth or acid or, I don't know, whatever this guy was on. But, you know, they're big and they're ugly and they feel like they're invincible. So he, he starts trying to pry open the window with a screwdriver or something. And uh, well, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the electricity went out the screwdriver into his body. He, he completed the circuit. Sounds horrible. Honestly, you know, it wasn't. I mean, watching this guy, it was, it was like watching every guy who broke into my house over the years and took from me, stole my stuff. I mean, he was just getting what he deserved, right? Let me tell you the most unbelievable thing. Did you know that when you get electrocuted, you know your blood literally boils? Right inside the veins. That's how the electricity flows through your body, through your veins. And so here's this guy. He's a, a wetback. But I could see his veins are glowing through his skin as he was being charred from the inside out. And I, I could smell his flesh burning, which it was weird. It smelled like a, a roast. A well-deserved cooked roast. That's when I, you know, finally turned off the electricity. When he was good and done. I gotta hear your reaction. Just go for it. I'm just laughing. That's the sickest thing I've ever said. <laughs> you know, and they even cut out some lines. I have to I have to call this out. I don't know if the final script that you saw had it, but you're supposed to end that scene with a, and it didn't take long, just like a microwave. <laughs> Wasn't that in your script? That was- you know, I, I don't remember if we said that. In my in my experience, Dana, like some shows, I'm given leeway with dialogue, mm-hmm. and I have a gift for it. And I, I, if that sounds self-important, it's not. I just, it, you know, I can't throw a football. I don't know how to fix a car. But you can but, talk. You know, I do have a little gift for dialogue. However, this is one of those shows. Uh, this uh, this script was was pretty right on. I think I think that like a microwave was in the script, then was maybe removed. I can't remember if they removed it or just edited it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty verbatim, I think, in that. You're on the writer's Christmas card list, and probably <laughs> they like that. They're, they're good writers on that show, and they, there's a, a very specific, uh, that is a very, you, you know, if you're a fan of the show, that people talk in that show in a specific staccato fashion, which is, is a bit abnormal. So, mm. you know, you got to kind of learn. Same thing was true on uh, NYPD Blue. You know, they Ooh. had a kind of a style to And to was that dialogue. ever a great episode that you were in, man? The seminal episode where, uh, yeah, you took Andy hostage, right? I did. I took Andy hostage. That, that was a that was a great boy. What a great actor. Oh, anyway, we're talking about this show. We're going to talk about that. I didn't later. mean me. I meant Dennis Franz. No, <laughs> what a great actor. My I was okay, but Dennis Franz was really great. Oh, and yeah, he's got the statues to prove it. Now, let's go back to this, this scene because... Um, <laughs> This dialogue was written that you, instead of saying a wetback, you said, I hate to even say this, but he's this big speck. I think you say a couple times because you said wetback. Wetback twice. I remember the script initially didn't say wetback. It said something else. Speck, did it say? Speck, yeah. Yeah, speck. That's pretty bad. I mean, you know, that's the vernacular of back east. You know, we don't really, uh, being from Pennsylvania, I don't think I ever used the term wetback. Not that I would ever say about any human being, but... uh, when I was perhaps an uninformed child, uh, <laughs> I might say spick. You know, my father, when we were kids, we called Puerto Ricans pork chops. I don't know why. You know, why did they call us honkies? I never had a horn. I never honked it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm saying all these things that people are afraid to say, but I'm being honest with you. Yeah, and every now and again, my father will still, in a derogatory way, say chop. And, I, you know, I think he's talking about dinner. <laughs> but he means, you know, Puerto Rican. Oh, no. Uh, Your dad. But You're that's, nice you know, I know we're supposed to, in this world we live in not say these things, but this is the reality of our life anyway. Yeah, I'm sending you a bar of soap and your wife can scrub out your mouth there. No, um, What's that? I'll send you a... Never mind. <laughs> quoting my father. I'm allowed to do that, right? <laughs> yes, you can. Hey, was this an ad lib? You know, your little um, visual jolt. You know, you did that little you know, jolt. I think it's... I mean, I you know, I don't know how much we can deconstruct that scene with my, my feeble, you know. Remember when they said the dinosaur, the brontosaurus's brain was the size of a walnut? Yeah. Like, that's me. So, <laughs> I don't, and it's probably smaller than a walnut. But, um, 
I do think that that was Julie either had a scripted line and didn't say it or had a scripted line and then made a, you know, a Put gesture. A spin and on it. When we shot the master and that, you know, was, I don't recall that being there, but I could be <laughs> wrong. I mean, And now she, by the way, is as perfect a person as you could meet. Who is that? Julie Bowen. Oh, Julie Bowen. Oh, I know you're just deflecting from me talking about you and your scene. But why don't you talk? But we can talk about her because she was there too. Let's talk about her. What's your impression of her as an actor? Well, now you know, I, I was on a little show. I don't know if your listeners ever saw it. A little show called Lost. Lost. Of course, the last three episodes of last season. I was the the ill fated Doctor Arston and Julie. You know, and I obviously never met because her storylines were in the past and mine were in the present on the island. But I loved her and I thought she was a great actress and. And was so, you know, happy to, to sit down and get to work with her on this. She has a great sense of humor. Doesn't she curse like a sailor? <laughs> I, you know, I don't know that she curses like a sailor because I curse like a actor. Um, <laughs> but uh, I can say that we had a great time the entire time. Oh, that's great. She made me laugh and smile. And, and I think she's a hell of an actress, honestly. And she's very attractive. Good addition oh, to that. Really? I didn't notice that. Oh, she <laughs> kind of... Now that I think about it in a, you know, a beautiful actress sort of way, uh, she's kind of good looking. Yeah, sort of um, platonically. Also, also, by the way, Dana, hit on me the entire time. All right. There. You just have to be a man of steel. That's all Oh, my is. God. You know, if my wife knew what I turned down, you know, <laughs> Shatner kept going, come on, Dan, it's the final frontier. And I would be, Bill, I'm straight. Come on. That's weird. <laughs> No, that didn't really happen. No, I know. And give me a few words about what it was like to work with uh, Bill Shatner. Well, now, that's... Here's the thing. I'm a fan of television and movies. So when I'm presented with the opportunity of working with Bill Shatner, you know, there's... You know, I got to like wait till the last minute to ask for the picture, which I want to ask for the first second I meet him. You're a fan. I love it. <laughs> you know, and I want to, yeah. and I, I'm smart enough not to go, tell me about being on the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bill Shatner is a very busy man. He has two or 3,000 different projects going. <laughs> uh, I know that because he mentioned them all constantly. <laughs> um, God, this is terrible because it sounds like I'm being, and I'm, I'm making jo- I want, honestly, let's take a moment and say, I'm making jokes. Okay, disclaimer done. I, I, I loved working with Bill Shatner. Uh, I, I almost did that movie he directed, Groom Lake, but I got a TV movie instead and couldn't uh, oh. do it. One of my, my, my dear friends, Chuck Williams, produced that movie and asked me to be in it, and Bill was amenable to it, and then I couldn't do it because I was, you know, had to go where the money was. Oh, I understand. Um, but I will have to say, I'll interject here because you won't, even though it's not directly Shatner related. If you were in the franchise of the Star Trek galaxy, which well, one? Well, you know, if you gave me a second, I probably would have dropped it in there, you know, <laughs> somehow. I would have shoehorned it in between comments about Bill Shatner. Um, <laughs> i I got to be one of the few actors who got to work with Spock on the planet Romulan oh, man. and Shatner on the planet Earth. You were a Romulan member of, I was of his own mo- movement, his underground movement, right? Yeah, yeah I was part of the, uh, I was one of those those guys. Now, it was cool when I, I remember going in for that, and they said, oh, it's, you know, hey, you're going to do the show, and I went, oh, great. And of course, being myself, I don't know that I read, but then they said, it's Spock, and I, I couldn't believe it. One of the best moments, honestly, <laughs> I've ever had in Hollywood in my life oh. was when in, in the stage where they shot Star Trek, the planet Romulan, they had two stages. We were in the big stage, and the, they have a, what's, I'm sure, probably a pool sometimes, but the floor is, is hollowed out. And they built the Romulan cave down there in the floor, mm. and they called, they called us to the set. And I got down there first, because the guest star is always first. Mm. And uh, Nemoy came down second, because he's also a guest star. You know, oh yeah. And, uh, everybody else came, and it's just how you. I don't know. That's just the weird protocol, but you know, you respect the people whose show it is, and you you don't make them wait. Mm. Um, and there it was just me and him, and I'm looking at him, and he's Spock, and I'm aware that I'm, you know, I can't see my face, but I can see my big pointy shoulders and my boots. And we have and, a picture of you as in your makeup on the website under the Star Trek link. Just to let you oh, know. 
Yes, tell people to go there. And there side by side. Okay, go ahead. Well, I guess so. Excellent. And there, so there I was with Spock, and I just thought, you know what? I really am one of the luckiest people ever born. Because, you know, we didn't have to discuss it or talk about it. or it was For me, it was just, uh, you know, a simple, a simple gift from God, and I'm not even kidding, to, oh. to like, think, well, oh, God, who would have thought that I'd actually be, like, in this world with him? Well, because he's not doing a lot of television. This is 91. Yeah, but, that's a long time ago. But, he, you know, he pretty much, he's directs, but he doesn't do a ton of television, right? So right, no. He's really and, lucky. I mean, yeah, the chances of that happening were really slim to none. You know, it's like, honestly, it's like winning the lottery every day. And you were in two episodes? Do I have that right? A part one, part two thing? Yes. I mean, the genius of that is part one was, you know, we we literally walked in at the end of the episode and said, you know, are you Spock or something? I don't know what the hell I said, but, you know, we arrested him in the end of one episode and then worked with him. And ultimately, I didn't have a lot of lines with the guy, uh, and I think even a few I had were cut. Huh, but that oh. was ir- irrelevant to me, you know, because... You were there. Yeah. I was there. Now, you understand what you've just said, that this is like one of the most amazing, luckiest moments of your life. And then here you are acting last month with Shatner. He's not going to like this. <laughs> it's some- great. I mean, you know, right after I worked with Shatner, I was at a, uh, I, I went, had to go home. Now, here's, here's a shoehorning thing. I was, I was also blessed. They gave me a, a, a beautiful, distinguished alumni. Uh, award at my high school, Bethlehem Catholic High School in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Oh, yes, we and linked to that article. That's really great. Oh, to be recognized from Bethlehem. That's it nice. was, you know, because uh, honestly, I, I'm surprised I even graduated. I had to find my diploma. When they first called, I thought they were going to go, look, we've, we've just checked our records, and you still owe, you know, <laughs> your your English report from your sophomore year. <laughs> so we're rescinding your, your diploma. Um Anyway, I was at the Chiller Theater Convention, which is a great convention, which everyone should go to if they have a chance. That's in New Jersey, outside of New York, they have it three or four times a year. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Michelle Nichols was there. And, oh, yeah, uh, from Star- So there I was working with Shatner. And wow. then in the course of my life, honestly, you know, I met every one of them. Oh, seriously? Now you t- well, tell me who. I, I, I met... Uh, well, Renee, did you meet Renee? I did. Renee did a Matlock with us. Oh, he did, but not necessarily on the Boston Legal set. He did. So, but I did go to find him on the Boston Legal set when we were shooting on the New York Street to say hi to he. And by the way, so, you were a three-year series regular on Matlock. Let's just throw that in because we were going we're gonna to get to it later. But That's correct. Yeah. Renee Aubergineau is a fabulous, fabulous, fabulous actor. Oh. I love him, and I was so pleased. Sorry that I didn't have any scenes, but I did have to go find him. And pay my homage to him. Oh, that's good. So you did speak with him. Yeah. I hope you watched other Boston Legal episodes besides the one you're in. Well, I but will now. Last oh, last week, you have to, like, bit tore in it or something. But um, he, I said, Emmy moment, Emmy moment, when yeah. his character had this storyline with his daughter. But anyway. Oh, he's fabulous. <sighs> so he's back, a great actor. He's a great actor. Back to sitting in that conference room with Shatner and, and Julie. <laughs> Yes. How long did it take to film that one? Um, that was uh, not not so long. That was a few uh, an hour or two before lunch and a few hours after lunch. We shot oh, good. my close up after lunch. Um, uh, for anybody who gives a crap, we all give I, a crap. I do believe that I went through that entire monologue every time without stopping. I know Jeff Blechner, who's a that's a great director. That guy. Oh, yeah, he's tell a me great that. guy. He did uh, Welcome Back, Cotter. He's, he's been around, around forever. He's been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. And that's the first time we worked together, but I know that I've auditioned for him before, and I know that, like, I can't even remember the show, but when I was talking to him, I thought, I remember seeing a show that he, like, I loved the show so much that I had to go back to find out who directed it. I couldn't remember what it was, and it was his name. Oh, so um, you could tell his style. And he's, you know, he's, he is, he's just a, a gracious and, and, and a nice guy, but he, uh, what did he say? He said something like, he goes, I had to look at the script supervisor to make sure you were saying all the lines, because it kept seeming like you were making this stuff up as you were going along. Wow. Because it uh, was so organic coming from you, you know, it wasn't... Well, you know, I have a very, I have, that's my, I have a stuttering delivery, which I've developed, I don't know where in my life, but I kind of... Uh, Choppy? Yeah, but just how people, you know... You stop and you think and you, and then you say and then maybe you repeat yourself, you know. And I've I've kind of adapted that, which is I I think organic in so many cases, 
Uh, but a, a, certainly a bitch if I had to go back in and loop any of my dialogue because I had to loop in every stutter, every bump, 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 bump. Uh, and I did not have to do that on this. Thank That's God. Great. Good sound, but... Isn't it wonderful to be the, you know, the guest and come in and not be the reason they're doing another take or something? That's great. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and this is why I see, you know, this is why you hire myself or someone like myself uh, if you've got this show because I've been, I've been doing it so long that I know where to stand. I know, you know, I respect that... Uh, James Spader or Julie Bowen have five other scenes of importance to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, the crew's all, they don't want to sit there all day, you know. That's so, great. Well, you've you been know, doing it for 20 years or more, actually. Or more, yeah. Wow. I think I'd have my own gosh darn series by now, wouldn't you? Oh, I read that you referred to as a character actor. How do you feel about that? Oh, I don't, you know, that's fine. Or do you want your own series? I mean, do you still try out for pilot season and all that stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah, constantly. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, went went to the network two or three times already this year. You know, it's such a I, here's I, you you want to hear like my take on all of it. I would. I'm going to put it in a nutshell for you, Dana, and all of your listeners. Okay. I believe, and we all believe in different things. And I know that we're supposed to be, you know, we're like, okay, if you believe in, you know, flying airplanes in the pil- buildings and killing innocent people, that's okay because that's your religion. But it's not okay because there's no religion that says let's fly airplanes mm-hmm. in the building. Mm-hmm. But I believe in destiny. I have faith in destiny. That's removed. It's, I can't say it removes anxiety because I, I have a family and, and children, and that's a family. But you know, college coming up, and mm-hmm. I have concerns like any other parent, any other fellow out there, or dad. But I don't believe that you know a bunch of people sitting in a room at at the network level, you know, saying oh, Dan's not a good enough actor, Dan's too fat, or Dan's too old to be in this part. I don't believe that they have any say in my destiny. I will achieve what what is expected of me by God before I die. And, you know, I just stay stay true to the path. You know what I mean? It's sort of like the 20,000-foot view of your life. You know, you may not... That's interesting. I don't know what that means. You're looking down and you see your whole life. You don't worry about that little road that takes you down to Desperate Housewives or Lost, you know, or the one that didn't happen. It's all like, you know, Lost, I mean, I I was... it was last pilot season. I, you know, I had a, a pilot for for a guy that I did my last series for Barry Kemp, and I got this little call out of the blue. They said, "Hey, they want you to go do Lost." You know, I didn't audition for it. It was a Carlton Cuse, a great, a great really? writer producer, who gave that part to me as a gift. And Aww. you know, the, I mean, I didn't. You know, one day I woke up, and when I went to bed that night, I, you know, I was planning a trip to Hawaii. Oh. I didn't know I was going to be there, and it was but, a gift that you didn't have to even work for it. They just knew no, and, and I, you know, and that's I, that's. I'd say I'm at. I, that's about fifty percent of the time. Sixty percent now. That's great. You know, they just call and give me stuff. Thank God. Oh, and I, I negotiate so much better too. You know, if if they just give it to me, I'm like, take whatever they're offering. <laughs> I don't care. I'm such a loser. But anyway, so I I I, I talked everyone's ear off, but ultimately I feel like, you know. I like to audition. That's sick, I know. But that's acting. I glue on mustaches. I gray my hair. I wear different clothes. I present myself as a different person. And I convince somebody that I could be that person. That's that's what I do for fun. You guys are very creative, so thus very sensitive. And I think it's just a horrible industry that you have to go and be judged by these casting people or whoever and, and maybe not get it. And it's not personal. It's just it's like... Like you said, you know, you didn't have the right mustache on. But, I mean, yeah, it, it I, must wreak havoc to the sensibility, you know, the sensitive nature of you. Well, yeah, I'm not that sensitive, really. Um, I'm, you know, I'm pretty forgiving of, of many situations. Um, but, you know, if you can't deal with it, then get out of the business, I would say. You know, sometimes it's really hard uh, to remember that it's not you. Um, and being a character, you know, I've I've never been known for being a you know the greatest looking guy in the room but you know i i always feel like i have something to give and you always feel like you could do the part you know you don't go thinking i can't do this part uh but you always feel like you could give it to them i, I here's here's a unique pilot situation that uh that is is 100 percent true in 20 years i've gone out for five, 40 pilots 50 i don't even know mm-hmm. and in all those pilots i've gotten three and all three of those pilots went to series. Oh, wow. And every pilot that they did not give me, and I mean every other pilot that I did not get cast in, never went to series. There's a truism right there. It, no, you're the ingredient. I, 
I wish I could tell these people at the networks, you know, you want to say, look, I, I, this, is, this is a fact. This is a hard, stone-cold fact that nothing else is ever going to series. And you think, if they would have just believed in me, maybe I would have been the one who moved it into the series. Maybe that would have been my thing. But, you know, Boris Karloff didn't play Frankenstein until he was 43 years old. Oh. And then he had a job for the rest of his life. Did you just turn 43? I did. Oh, that's your birthday. That's right. I probably told that story last year and said he didn't play Frankenstein until he was 42. But um, I'm pretty sure it's 43. Have you played a monster yet? Uh, uh, no, not really. I did a favor for a friend once where I turned into a monster in some crappy movie. But, um, <laughs> yeah. No, I have not gotten that. Yet. All right. Daniel, we're going to end up with one more soundbite. I don't know which one to play, so you tell me. Shall I play the final one, the American Homeowner Jury? But you don't have any lines there, but you're sitting there. I think you're done with all my lines. I am. You know why you can play an American Homeowner? <laughs> or do you want to hear about... the girl in the left side of, or the right side of the screen, mm-hmm. when they go to like the Brady Bunch shot, yes. <laughs> is, is Carol Lawrence, who your listeners would be interested to know, who have children, is the voice of Sandy the Squirrel in SpongeBob. Oh. And the voice of Jimmy Neutron's nemesis, that little blonde girl on Jimmy Neutron. Uh, she's a fabulous. She was in our pilot for Stan Hooper, the last series I had. I'm as madly in love with her as I can be <laughs> and still keep my wife. <laughs> That's uh, great. So she's an animation person. She is, and she's so terrific. Can't you just um, hire her for the, the Santa Sack? I, did, I, I had no part for her. Oh, you're the I writer. I had no part for her. <laughs> well, you know, no, I was, I was a producer of it, but I... Oh. Santa Sack, you know, we, we we decided in that to use, we had two real children, like main roles, and then there were children who had a few lines here and there, uh, and we decided to cast children as the children, oh. as opposed to adults as the children. And whose children got preferential treatment? Well, they didn't get, you know, <laughs> my little brats uh, did get uh, get to each do a, a line or two in it. That's great. Uh, I, before you play, let me tell you one thing. My daughter two years ago said to me, she was eight, she said, I'd like to do a voice in a cartoon, and I said, well, honey, you know, I mean, uh, <laughs> there's no way you're going to do a voice. Those are professional actors. You can't do a voice in a cartoon. You're a kid. You're not an actor. You're a child. You're my child. You're not going to be an actor. And then two years later, you know, the producer, uh, writer of the thing goes, hey, let's put our kids in it. And I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> so then she got to do it. Oh, man. <laughs> Go ahead. Play American Homer. Drew number seven. Can you tell us? What opinions you formed? I think people should be allowed to defend their homes. Like Mr. Crane said, if the guy didn't want to get hurt, he shouldn't have been robbing anyone. Commonwealth challenges juror number seven for cause. No objection, Your Honor. Juror number seven, you are excused. I've worked hard to become an American homeowner. If the guy tried to break into my place... I'd do the same thing. I'd want to kill the son of a bitch. It's my right as an American homeowner. I may live in an apartment, but I still consider myself an American homeowner. American homeowner. American homeowner. American homeowner. American homeowner. God bless America. It went by too fast. I don't know which American homeowner she, she was. She said it in the... the I mean, they, they filmed it all. Now, here's... I got a funny story about that. Yes. Have you ever heard celebrities at their worst... No. What? You know, Bill Shatner has two clips in in this this CD called Celebrities at the Worst. Oh, this is a CD. A CD? You can get a CD. It's like they some you know they're pirate tapes of of people when they were recording things in okay. booths and that the mics were open. <laughs> kind of like George Bush when he yeah. <laughs> kind of like that. So uh, Shatner, there's two that that are as funny as anything could be. You know, the a guy says you know. He tells him how to do a line, and Chandler says, please, don't tell me how to do it. It sickens me, uh, which is funny in itself. And I, I took out the long pause where I, I you know, always think, do I pull, rip this guy a new hole, or what do I do? But the other one is he's saying, Spock, sabotage the system. I don't know what to do. Spock, sabotage the system. They're recording the cartoon voice for the uh, Filmation um, Star Trek cartoon. Oh. He says, sabotage the system. And the, the guy, you hear the guy go, uh, in line 41, you're saying, sabotage, it's sabotage. <laughs> and Shatner says, as brilliantly as anything he's ever delivered on screen, he goes, uh, you say sabotage. I say sabotage. <laughs> so it was, you know, the end of the day was coming up, and Shatner said, what are you doing next? And uh, the first AD said, oh, we're going to shoot... Uh, Everybody's saying American homeowner. He goes, "Oh, you're going to shoot the montage." Montage. 
And I swear to God, I almost peed my pants. You were the only one that got it, right? I, I was like, he said montage! <laughs> he said montage! That, see, being better than anything else on that show, Dana, was him <laughs> saying montage. Because I probably heard say sabotage. I say sabotage. Five million times to the point where in, in Who Stole Santa's Sack, I'm making the making of. And we decided to put a joke in the making of where me, Dan Roebuck, everyone's talking about Andy Griffith and Jay Leno. They're all talking about me being a method actor mm. and how difficult that is to work with. Mm. And we <laughs> shot we shot a scene of me, like I insisted, you know, that I we faked that I wore an elf costume whenever I recorded my elf dialogue. <laughs> and we had the director say, well, you're saying, you're saying, you know, I said, you know, hey, Santa, sabotage the, sabotage the cave. I don't know what to do, Santa's... And the guy says, you're saying sabotage. You're, you're saying sabotage. And I said, you say sabotage. I say sabotage. Like, I, to the point where I'm getting the joke wrong. They have to buy the DVD <laughs> when it comes out. They can see it funny. But, but the point is, like, I even did an homage to, to his, his delivery of that work. <laughs> and then for this to come full circle with the montage. And I literally called. I, I, I tinkled a little in my pants. I rolled off the <laughs> I called the the director-writer of, uh, of Santa Stack. And I said, you'll never believe what he said. He said, my dad. Tell me, you just had to tell somebody on that set that day. or was I probably, I think I told Julie. I was like, he said, my dad. What do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> well, it sounds very Cape Cod or something. I don't know. <laughs> or just very, Well, sorry, Cape Cod is very Canuck. Okay. Oh, it's Canadian, of course. <laughs> yes, it's how they say things. Up there in the great white way. You know, I have to thank you, Daniel, for giving us that moment because that that's going to get written up and posted somewhere <laughs> you know what you i'll bet you dana if you search the internet you can find that sound bite i'll have to play it oh and i will and i'll play it side by side right after we yeah you got to do it okay you say sabotage I it's say sabotage. my personal promise to you sabotage thank you thank you i don't say sabotage you say sabotage i say sabotage i just want to conclude that that the case settled we're going to conclude this storyline the case settled because... If anybody else is listening other than my mom, <laughs> Mom, I'm sorry I haven't called you. Yeah, right. Go ahead. What were you saying, there? Russell Blaney actually got to go home to his Jamaica Plains home, right? Yes, of course he did, you know, because they, they didn't have anything else to write for me to say <laughs> after I wasted four and a half minutes doing that monologue. <laughs> um, yes, he, he, he got away with it, but, uh, you know. Now, before Maybe I... that's right. You can't leave yet, even though you've been on much longer than you promised, and I so appreciate it, because I want to ask you, we thank you for sprinkling in a lot of information about Santa Zach. And, yes, yes. you know, we've mentioned Matlock, and we've mentioned, but there's still some things that I, I want to talk to you about. And, Go ahead, bring it on. And I don't know, you pick which one, because I want to hear a little bit about filming um, in Matlock. I want to hear about Monsterama, because I know nothing about Monsterama TV series. Well, and, Monsterama, well, let me tell you, that's going to... People have to have the Dish Network. We made it for the Voom Network. Mm -hmm. uh, we did these high-def documentaries. Uh, you know, it's kind of known out here about my loserness and freakiness. And, uh, a great, great producer, a director named Kevin Burns, asked me, uh, he knows me, and he asked me to, to do these, these interstitial documentaries for the Monsters Channel uh, that was going to be on this high-def network, which I said I would love to do. Um, because I was doing Stan Hooper at the time, and I knew that, you know, while I was in my dressing room, I could work on this thing. Oh. But essentially, I, I made 18 little documentaries about everything that was important to me. Oh, Masks wow. and models and monsters and wax monsters. Is there yeah, any... If you own Dish Network now, you can see them on the Monsters. Are they actually playing now? Yeah, they play constantly. constantly. Like they're, they're interstitial, so if a show ends 12 minutes early, they play one of those. Oh, excellent. So they're little 12-minute little things or 15-minute yeah, things? Some 12 to 20 minutes. Oh, wow. Uh, the first documentary I did was called Halloween Happy Haunting of America, which was uh, also made with my buddy Chuck Williams, who did that movie with Shat, Shatner. Mm -hmm. He calls him Shat. I had to remind him what that word really means. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> but uh, Chuck and I made a documentary, uh, you know, about ten years ago, and uh, so we're and now I may actually make one with uh, a guy named Rob Klein on uh, the now defunct Movie Land Wax Museum. So, ooh, something that just got hatched today, maybe or the last few days. It was hatched about a month ago, and we keep, uh, you know, there we were today, 
Nothing ever dies that Daniel likes. It's going to be brought back. No, exactly. <laughs> if if Movie Land isn't going to be there, there's going to be a documentary people can show their grandchildren. Go, look at how great it used to be when I was a child. Once again, you know, you're going to make your landmark um, last for 100 years. You're the architect of all things sort of kitschy 70s, right? <laughs> if you say so, Dana. Yeah. Me. Oh, and you have Ghost Whisper that you said you just finished filming. I just finished with the beautiful Jennifer Love Hewitt. You were with her I've worked, before. I've worked with her twice. I worked with her once when she was a child. and Despite, despite what the DA said, I've never touched her. <laughs> and... Uh, and uh, then I did uh, a TV movie with it called uh, Confessions of a Sociopathic Social Climber. There you go. And there may be a sequel. I thought I saw yes, that on your website. Yes, there may. Isn't that great? Wow. You know, I just watched her in Can't Hardly Wait today, just a few hours ago. I watched that movie, and she was in it as a little, you know, a young, fresh-faced girl. She's so she's so good, and you know what? They love her. She, her crew. See, it's so important. The star of the show sets the tone of the set. Well, she's also a producer, so that helps. <laughs> well, it does, but it's still the you know the attitude has to be. I, I've worked on I've worked on a lot of shows where the star you know wasn't really thrilled to be there, mm. and um, and she makes so, a happy set, right? Oh God, so happy! And you know, I love I love that she's she's been given all of these gifts. You know, aside with being beautiful and aside with being, you know, having a fantastic body, not that I noticed. She's Kelly beautiful. Uh, but uh, she's a, just a good, good soul, good person. This is my little me moment, but last fall when Ghost Whisperer was premiering, um, CBS hired me as a CBS podcaster, so I got to meet her and interview her. Oh, great. And also Alicia Tyler and also James Van Prague, who's the writer-producer. And meeting her in person, wow, you know, it's just like she's so, I just gushed, and I hate to do that, but she's just, you know, Audrey Hepburn, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, she's just a little, she's a little spitfire beauty. Can you just say what the Boston Legal set is? You know, is it a happy set? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, you know, it's, it's. Uh, I mean, I honestly, did, I didn't spend a lot of time there, mm-hmm. but the time I was there, everybody did seem happy. And you were on Boston Public. And I was on Boston Public, similar... and everybody seemed happy there. That's good. I know. What else are you going to say, though? <laughs> well, I'm trying to think. You know, I I probably wouldn't say out loud which sets weren't happy. Yeah. No, I don't want to. I don't. I'm just were, so you know, in the course of my life, there were a few that were, you know, a bit more harsh than they needed to be. What was the best location you've been on for a shoot of some kind? Was it Hawaii? Uh, that's well. I love whenever I get to work on a back lot. I, I, you know, oh. that's like that gives that brings my bliss back. But. Um, <laughs> Visually? For Agent Cody Banks, you know, the movie set in Seattle, you know, they brilliantly decided that it would be cheaper to shoot it in England. Oh, wow. So I did get, or Agent Cody Banks, too. So we all got to travel. My whole family got to travel over to England. You were Dad Banks, right? Yes, Dad. uh, The father. (laughs) The father. Mr. Banks. But so, oh, your whole family went to England. Oh, was that? Yeah, that was like a great deal. I a blessing. How long was that? I mean, you were filming. You know, I shot that movie for two days. Oh, oh, wow. I, it was almost like stealing money. I really felt bad. No, that's really a lie. But uh, I shot the movie for two days and, of course, you know, went to the theater and took my children to to Paris during the, that big heat wave three years ago. Oh, where people oh were dying. people were dying. Parisians yeah. were dying because, you know, they didn't know that you could put your head in a refrigerator. Uh, the you know they're dying and if I look back I would say to my kids well you know we're at the Louvre and our hotel is only like eight miles over there and I didn't want to deal with one more idiot cab driver so I said come on let's walk you know there's French people <laughs> falling falling to their death and you know my kids are stepping over the the bodies you know because I won't let them get in the cab cheapskate <laughs> no. The experience, I'm sure, was great for them. So. Well, I said, you know, come on. Without America, this country would be. Any last words? Because I've got to let you go. I want to keep you. Uh, I, I want you. But <laughs> it's not going to happen any longer because... Well, uh, hold on. Right, let me get this flight up to Seattle. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, any last words? You know what? I What I would love people to do... Uh, and, uh, you know, you, you guys can technically work it out. Can you... When did, however, when we hang up, you tell me about how this podcast works. Okay. But... I would love your 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 listeners to go to DanielRoebuck.com 
my my best friend since I met him at a comic book store. What a loser I am when you know I was fifteen or fourteen, and you know he <laughs> uh, his name is Scott Brunell, and he still lives in Bethlehem, and he he has been doing such great work on my website. Oh, is he your webmaster? He is, and he's you know Aww. he's. He's not like, you know, the guy's a brilliant engineer guy, but, you know, he does this because he felt that it was something necessary. And, yeah. you know, I've been trying to supply him with as much information as I could, but people should go there and there's a fan map that uh, he put yes. there. You know, you don't have to really say you're a fan of mine, but if you if you feel like you do like the work, you know, put a, a little pin in that, that little map. I'm going to um, type mine in right now. I'm looking right now. Do it. You know what? It's, he says, look at the fan map. I looked. I said, it's 30 people. That's the most pathetic <laughs> thing I've ever seen. Let's, let's beef it up because you know what? Um, we have on our site a link to a fan map for Spader, a link to a fan map for Boston Legal. Why not for you? We're Why do not? It. But people may not be fan. I don't want anybody to commit to fandom without really, you know, I mean. Really, they have to at least see seen, seen you, you and know, appreciate you, right? The chances are that, you know, if you have had a TV on in the last 20 years, You've you've been forced to watch my overacting, um, <laughs> but go to that and look at the. If people are on the site, look at the um, the the clips from Doctor Shocker. Your kids might enjoy them. Uh, I'm watching the, the scrolling pictures of you and your fans and stuff too. Oh my goodness, what is that? No, it's crazy. We're going to ask them to put you know some comment in there that actually says their favorite film they've seen you in or something like that you know. they well, can do anything they want because okay. this is america <laughs> gonna fill it out for you 40 markers they, there's 40 markers right now oh 40 wait we went up a few yeah I'll does one of them it. say elaine roebuck that's my mom oh yeah uh, uh, not on the front page oh no lenny pike now we've got a bunch of people from burbank and redondo oh, beach you know, <laughs> now there's funny lenny pike that figure you see there yeah i want that today i'm gonna own that oh that's that's kidding. what i want I'm looking. Somebody, somebody who knew I was a. I think that was a some, weird picture. What is that? Yeah, that's from It's a Mad Mad World. That's the Wax Museum figure at. Oh, Google. Jeepers! I thought it was someone with a really bad facelift tan. No, thing. that's <laughs> Jonathan Winters from It's a Mad Mad World. You now, bought that. That 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 character will be living in my house. Oh, that's that's gonna scare the children, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, my kids love that movie. Okay, all right, that's great. You you know what? You're you're terrific, and and I. I, if I if I've pontificated, I apologize. You know, it's been a a long, strange day. I, I'm I'm thrilled that uh, people are interested in any of this stuff or some of this stuff. But uh, you know, I've 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 had a good a good life, and I enjoy working every day. I get up, and I'm so happy. Oh, that's so nice to hear. And it's been a huge privilege to talk to you. I want to tell you, I'll review you. You were effervescent. You were forthcoming. Oh. You were open and sharing. And funny as all heck, so... Watch your mouth. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Next is CSI. I'm starting that next week. Oh, excellent. Which which CSI? The... uh, Miami or regular? Las Las Vegas? How do you say it? The Las Vegas. Yeah, I guess it's just CSI. You said it right, because it's just CSI. Have fun. Can you tell us what your part is? There's a murder at a wedding, and I'm the wedding planner, I think. Are Are you a wedding planner? Are you playing this a little light? If I'm we... not. No, actually, I'm not. Okay. Uh, but I could if they wanted me to. Okay. No, they wanted a regular fella. All right. When I had my wedding, I found two gay caterers. I'm no idiot, but <laughs> like on TV, uh, it must be different. It must be. Well, enjoy your time at CSI next week, and thank you so much for joining us, Daniel Robach. Thank you, and thank you to, to all your listeners. Thank you. Oh, the podcast is not over yet. Daniel's leaving us, but that's only the first half. Be sure and download the second MP3, part two of the shock and awe deconstruction of the Boston Illegal Radio. And you'll hear our commentary on the rest of the storylines. Shirley's indiscretion with her nude photography when she was younger. The Paul and Rachel storyline with Brad, I'm a drug addict, Chase. And of course, the balcony scene. We'll uh, get a call from Deb from Montreal. She always brings us each week the trek in the courtroom parallel universe themes and we'll conclude with boston legal news of the week and if you stick around to the end to the news section you'll hear several sound bites from james spader's appearance on the ellen DeGeneres show make you laugh remind everybody to go check out daniel roebuck's website it's at danielroebuck.com roebuck is r-o-e 
B-U-C-K. And you remember he mentioned he has a fan page on Frapper.com. To find that, definitely go and leave your mark. Um, it's a very unique page. And if you go to our website, boston-legal.org, click on the links page, look for the guest stars section. There's a link that will take you right there. Or if you can remember this, it's at frapper.com, F-R-A-P-P-R.com, forward slash Daniel Roebuck fans. Hope you like that we're bringing guest co-hosts in from the show. I, it certainly lends a whole new perspective to talking about Boston Legal. want to let you know that we actually already got a confirmation from Meredith Patterson. She'll be joining us as our guest co-host right after the Ivan the Incorrigible episode, which is set to air in April. It's uh, episode 22. Meredith Patterson plays Missy Tiggs. She's the brand new wife of the Tom Selleck character, Ivan Tiggs. They'll both be back in Ivan the Incorrigible. Thanks for sticking through to the very end. And remember, you got a whole nother part to listen to. Live big, my friends.